Thank you, team. Kids, guess what time it is? What did Cam said? It's bedtime. <laughs> Not quite bedtime. Kids are doing an awesome job. Our kids leaders, we love them. Incredibly thankful for them and all that they do. So this morning we are talking about the Advent Conspiracy. We're conspiring to look at Christmas from a whole other level. So I'm wondering if you would conspire with me this morning. Has anyone noticed in the shops coming into about August, September, Father's Day is not even done and the shops are already being filled with Christmas food, Christmas gift packs, like it happens really early. We think October's early but the shops are starting it earlier. I don't know if you're like my, where I live but we get a whole heap of advertising catalogues in the letterbox which is being inundated at the moment with tons and tons of them. And the world seems to be shouting a Christmas narrative. Have you noticed? But it's not like our narrative. It's a Christmas narrative that promotes consumerism. If you buy more, you'll show those that you love more, that you love them more because you buy them more. It's just consumerism. And I don't know if you're like me, but I tend to think that I get a little bit over it sometimes. I love Christmas and I love the, the idea of gifting gifts to our family and our friends. But when it starts so early, you're like, it just, come on. So there's another story and it's a better narrative. It's a biblical story. And we're going to have a look at that from one of the Gospels this morning. And it's a Christmas narrative which is meaningful and full of hope and joy and love and life and peace. It's a Christmas story that is positive and it is world-changing if we let it, if we dare carry this story. So how do we get back to the heart of the true Christmas narrative, you might say? We're going to have a look at that as we conspire together of what it means to worship fully. And the birth of Jesus in history was one of the most life-changing, most significant events that happened in history. But funny, at the time of Jesus' birth, there was probably only about 100 people, if that, that were actually really aware that something was about to happen. That a saviour would come and he'd be born in a manger. And, you know, everyone else, apart from those 100 people, literally missed it. I wonder if we were there in that day, if we would have been part of the 100. Your mind just thinks... Have we completely missed the whole point of Christmas? My mum is quite notorious. For years, with small, when we had small children, her gift language is gifts. Her love language is gifts. And so she would buy the grandkids so many gifts and I kind of get it now that I'm a grandmother. <laughs> I kind of get it. But she would buy them so many gifts, you kind of go, but mum, they've got like 40 gifts. Like, it's crazy. 
So when do we actually take time to step back, to step aside and actually look at that Christmas narrative? When do we draw aside to rethink of this miraculous coming of a saviour that came as a baby in a manger? When do we actually take that time? Do we just do it at Christmas? Christmas Day? Maybe the week before Christmas? Worship should be at the heart of our Christmas It should be at the heart of our Christmas experience. It should be at the heart of when we bring people into our home. They should experience this worship that we have for our Saviour. Let's have a look at the Christmas story. But we're actually going to start a little bit before then. We're going to start in Luke 1, 5 to 22. And it's a story of Elizabeth and Zachariah. And you go, well, that's not really part of the Christmas story. But we're just starting a little bit early because it's a significant moment that happened. So Liz and Zach were quite elderly, as you know, and I'm just going to try and quickly tell you the story without having to read a whole heap of scripture this morning. And they couldn't conceive. And the story starts where? It actually starts in a temple. It starts in the Holy of Holies, the most sacred place, because we know that Zachariah was allowed into the temple. He was allowed to, to worship God in that place. But what was he actually doing? He was lighting incense. And we know that as they light incense, is this way of worshipping God. The Christmas story literally begins from a place of worship. And it was at this time of worship that Zechariah had an experience with an angel. And he receives this good news. I don't know, when was the last time an angel appeared to you? I kind of love these moments in the Word where the angel just comes and drops his bomb. His wife, as we know, was barren. They were elderly. And here's the angel coming and he says, but the angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid. Zachariah, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayers. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son and you must name him John. His birth will make you very happy and many people will be glad. Well, you've got to think, they're going to be pretty happy. They've got to be in their 80s. They were elderly and here they are with the news of this coming child, that your son will be a great servant of the Lord. John will lead many in Israel to turn back to the Lord their God. What do you think Elizabeth's response was in that moment? (laughs) Do you think it was that? I reckon it was in a moment. She would have gone, now? Like now I've got to do nappies? Well, they weren't doing nappies really back then. The scripture tells us in Luke that she praised God for what God had done and what he was about to do. Mary had the same similar response where this angel appeared and actually foretold of this coming child and the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that would come upon her and this gift that would be placed in her womb. But she was told something a little bit different. She was told that she was going to receive the saviour of the world. And she would give birth to him. So Luke 1, 28 to 38 says, The angel greeted Mary and said, You are truly blessed. The Lord is with you. Mary was confused by the angel's words and wondered what they meant. Then the angel told Mary, Don't be afraid. God is pleased with you and you will have a son and his name will be Jesus. 
and he will be great and will be called the Son of God Most High. The Lord God will make him king as his ancestor David was and he will rule the people of Israel forever and his kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, how can this be? How can this happen? I'm not married. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come down to you and God's power will come over you and your child will be called the Holy Son of God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be and let it happen as you have said. And then the angel left her. What do you think Mary's response was? I mean, she said, I am your servant. I'll do whatever you want, God. She did. That's what her response was. Her heart was like, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. But then it's recorded. She broke into this massive song of praise and worship to God. And Mary and Elizabeth met up and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she praised God because of this great news that had been spoken. And the scripture says that even John leapt in her womb. He was so overjoyed as a babe in her womb. He leapt. But Mary's song, Mary's song of praise and worship Verse 46, it says, Mary said, with all my heart, I will praise you, Lord, for I am glad because of God, my Saviour. He cares for me, his humble servant. From now on, all people will say, God was, has blessed me. God all-powerful has done great things for me, and his name is holy. He always shows mercy to everyone who worships him. And it goes on to verse 55, and she just talks about, you know, how he is the son of the King of David. But I just felt it was important for us to stop at that point. Then the angels shared the good news with the shepherds. And here are these shepherds out on this field. And, you know, in history it says that the shepherds were not well looked upon by the rest of the community. They were kind of, weren't given much opportunity for other work. And so they were sent out to pasture to tend sheep. And so here's the angel again. He appeared to a virgin he appeared to an old dude. Now he's going to appear to the shepherds. So the angels sharing the good news with the shepherds broke into a worship song and they said, glory to God in the highest. Their response was worship. This news of a coming saviour, their response was to worship. Luke 20, look, Luke 2 tells us that after they had seen the baby Jesus, that the shepherds returned glorifying so the, here they are, they hadn't even gone to see Jesus yet and they were glorifying and worshipping. They'd been to see baby Jesus and knew that he was real. Here's this child in a manger. And their response again was to praise God and worship God for all they had heard and seen and all that they'd been told. So let's have a look. I'll quickly read that to you. Luke 2, 8 to 20 says, The night in the fields near Bethlehem, some shepherds were guarding their sheep all at once. An angel came to them from the Lord and the brightness of the Lord's glory flashed around them. The shepherds were frightened, but the angel said, don't be afraid. The angel seems to think he's pretty scary, I think. Do you think you'd be frightened if this angel appeared to you? Don't be afraid. I have good news for you, which will make everyone happy. This is the very day King, in King David's hometown, a saviour was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. And you will know who he is because you will find him dressed as a baby, clothed, clothed and laying in a bed of hay. 
Suddenly, many angels came down from heaven and joined in their praising. Man, that had to be a sight, hey? Here's this angel coming with the good news. And the next thing, here are angels coming as they're singing to glory to God in the highest. And they too begin to praise. They too begin to rejoice. Praise in heaven, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. And after the angels had left them and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and check it out. Didn't really say that, but kind of, it's all good. They did say that. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and they saw the baby laying in the bed of hay. And when the shepherds saw Jesus, they told his parents what the angel had told them. They testified of what God had said to them. They testified that God had sent an angel to them on earth to tell them of the good news of the Saviour who had come. Everyone listened and were quite surprised, but Mary kept thinking all about it and what this really wonderful moment meant. And as the shepherds returned to their sheep... They were praising and worshipping God. They'd just seen a miracle. And they were praising and worshipping God because they'd seen a miracle. This babe had been born who would save the world. What was the first thing the Magi did when they entered the house of um, the house and saw Jesus? In Matthew 2.11, it says that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down to worship him. What about Joseph? You might be going, well, here's, here's Virgin Mary, soon not yet wed to Joseph. What do you think Joseph's response was? God's wanting us to catch something in this passage this morning and I wonder if you'll catch it with me. He's wanting us to to learn something today, this positioning of our hearts of worship. Mary, Joseph, whom the Bible does not explicitly say that he worshipped God, but showed obedience and walked by her side, cared for her, looked after her, took her to where they could actually give birth to this child. His obedience was an act of worship. It was an act of worship. Therefore, it stands to reason that we must have worship at the heart of our Christmas experience. The characters of this Christmas narrative are all threads of this rich tapestry of worship. Every character, apart from King Herod, and I didn't share with you King Herod, because his plan to go and worship the child for the high priest to go back to him with the news of where the child lay. He said to them, I want to go and worship him as well. That wasn't what he wanted to do. So I discounted King Herod. But they encountered this babe in a manger and their response was to worship. So how do we worship at How do we keep worship at the heart of what we do? How do we make sure that worship's not just one thing we squeeze into an already busy November, December and then we get to the end of it and go, please bring on Boxing Day because it's a day of rest? Well, something practical that I did one year, I actually, Kurong had this sale after Christmas one year and they had Third Day, which are pretty upbeat band, um, Christmas carols. And I had a lot of mums in the secular school that I attended that were friends of mine and 
I'd been talking to them. They knew I went to church. One of them came to church one day with me. Chris Kane got up and she walked out as soon as she did the salvation message. And you go, okay, the time's not yet, but it's coming. And so what I did, I actually gifted these um, worship CDs into their hands. They loved really upbeat music, but the music glorified and testified of God and this Christ Jesus, this babe who came. And it was a powerful tool. One of them actually came to me and said, you know, I've never, ever played Christmas music before in my house. And I went, really? Thank you, Jesus. You know how you just have those moments, you go, mic drop, thank you, Jesus. What are some activities that can help you to worship fully? Hey, there's some things coming up at church. We have a nativity that's coming up in December and it's going to be huge this year. There's incredible markets that are happening at the top end car park. There are going to be so many people there. It's going to be a great place to bring your friends and to walk with them through the um, nativity experience. It takes you back through the streets where the fishmongers and the smelly fish are and the incense burners and So it's this practical thing that we can actually do as we walk people through this Christmas experience. And, of course, it takes you and you land on Jesus in the manger or some heavenly little babe that we've dressed up as Jesus. Invite your friends and your neighbours to the next Christmas service that we have here at church. Penrith's having one. Hawkesbury's having one. Mountains are doing something different. Invite your neighbours together for Christmas carols. Thank you, Kim. That was my next thing, Christmas carols. Have kids read their Christmas story while setting up the nativity in your home. For one night, unplug technology. Disconnect from what makes you busy. Put on a worship CD. Put on Christmas carols. Now, you all know, some of you don't, but I work at church and I work up on this level with um, some other admin people and... One of them, who we won't name, Nicola, we won't name her, she's actually already started singing Christmas songs in the office. She's like this little angel decorating everything and it's very, very cute. But I'm like, it's Christmas songs and it's October. Read some scripture. Put on an audio version of the Bible. Turn the radio car off in the moment and actually start thanking God for something. You know, the heart of thankfulness is attractive to God. Being thankful despite circumstances or situations is attractive to God. I'm saying that to myself this morning too. Listen to some Christmas carols. Get, let some lyrics of those songs actually settle on your heart. Thank you, team. I'll get you up again. Thanks, Connor. As followers of Christ, we are called to conspire against this worldly Christmas narrative of consumerism and instead show the world a very different Christmas story. Let us break into song like Mary and declare the greatness of of our miraculous, redeeming God. Let us have times of silence like Zechariah. He had many moments of quiet prayer with God and, and reflect on what God's doing in our lives. Let us jump for joy like Elizabeth. 
this aged woman who jumped for joy and the babe in her womb leapt with joy as well. When we hear the good news of Christmas, let us worship with obedience like Joseph. Let us be like the shepherds, willing to leave our busyness that we may glorify and praise God. Let us find time like the Magi, willing to confront anything that stands in the way of our worship. And Herod wanted to stand in the way of that worship. The world is longing for a very true Christmas story that is meaningful, that restores hope, peace, love and joy. This Christmas, I pray that as, as, a, as a community, as the body of Christ, that we would help others in our world find Jesus. Amen.